Hello, and welcome to Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Joining me today is a friend and neighbor, Dom Brown. Dom is a relationship manager in the auto industry, a former collegiate athlete, current sports fanatic, and admirer of a wide range of eclectic music. We were quite lucky when the Brown family chose to move into our neighborhood a few months ago, and our sons quickly developed a friendship. Welcome, Dom, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for um, giving the opportunity to come on here and speak. I mean, I'm so excited. Uh, really looking forward to the discussion and uh, good, good conversation, and, and hopefully probably a couple laughs in it, too. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, so we'll jump right into this. Dom, what is your favorite album and how did you discover it? And I tell you, when, uh, when you posed this question to me, I, I, I thought about it like at least, at least 20 times. I went back and forth a couple of times. I truly don't have a, a, a favorite all-time album, but I have like a collection of them. But I do have one I say is my go-to, like one I always kind of come back to. Uh, like I enjoy a little bit of everything, you know, uh, Lincoln Park to Marvin Sapp to Jay-Z, you know, to Maroon 5. It's a little bit of everything. But that one album for me that I find myself kind of revisiting is um, by DMX. It's his first album, It's Dark and Hell's Hot. Something new. This was definitely an album that, that brought me out of my comfort zone <laughs> for this particular project. Yeah. Some of the other albums I have lined up, you know, are, are kind of a pull the CD off the shelf. I've got that one. Uh, th- this one I had to, I had to discover for the first time and, and I, I'm glad you picked it uh, because I just through life never really looked at this one, but I have a, a newfound appreciation for this album. It was, it was quite good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it, you know, you, you think about DMX and the type of man he was, obviously he lived a very, very rough life, um, you know, from his, you know, days in crime and drug abuse and, and, and you know, uh, legal problems and everything. I mean, the guy really lived, he, he lived a full life, uh, you know, obviously, you know, when he rest in peace. But so you think about that, things he raps about, I mean, it's some really, the content is very, very graphic. But I think once you peel back the layers of the violence and everything, you really, he really talks about himself and really tells you who he is and what he's, you know, faced in life and, and the challenges and things he's trying to overcome and just the demons and battles that he struggles with on a day-to-day basis. And, and that's what grabbed me about this album. And what I was not expecting was the fact that this is a concept album and he is telling a story, a very specific story as far as I'm sure portions are, are very autobiographical, but it's at least a story of someone who was, raised in the streets and had to do things to survive. But then he starts to have that regret and he starts questioning what was right, what was wrong, what was God's plan. And that back half of the album, extremely deep, a lot more deep than I was expecting. Yeah. Cause you know, the, the I guess the first 10 tracks or so, most of them, like most of the commercial hits and everything, they kind of uh, fall in line in those first 10 tracks or so. And then I think one of, one of the commercial songs is like number track 13, but even that song is, is pretty compelling when you listen to the story of it. And it's actually one of my favorite songs of the album too. Um, but yeah, I, I agree 100% that back half of the album. I mean, that's where a lot of people, 
true, I guess the, the non-fans will just kind of just turn it off or just like start skipping. But the, the true fans and people who really want to understand the deeper meaning of what he's talking about, that's where they all ju- uh, jump in and kind of listen and, and dive in there. I actually have a note that the tracks three through seven kind of blend together for me. <laughs> they're, they're all very similar. They, they do have each have individual messages. Sure. Uh, but it's after track seven where it starts to start, tell that story. Well, yeah. no, I take that back. You know, it's, it's telling the story from the beginning. You just don't realize it. Yeah, that's true. Like you say, those, those, the poppy, well, if you, if you even call them poppy, uh, those poppy, uh, or those mainstream songs, I mean, there's, there's still a lot of grit in those songs as well, too. So, but it's not like it, you know, it's supposed to do that. So a, a personal story of, of that, as far as the radio hits is that, so this album came out when I was in basic training in 98. And so that year and a half, I was a bit out of the loop same uh, previous episode we talked Lauren Hill and same, same time frame. I, I did, just kind of didn't know it was there, but then when you got, I got to my permanent station, this album had already been uh, out in the ether for a while and platoons get to pick their own mottos. And <laughs> there was one platoon that had stop, drop, all, all of that in their platoon motto. They would sound off with that when you call them to attention. I had no idea where it came from. Now I do. I get it. Yeah. There you go. So now you're, put those, you're like, it all makes sense. Running cadence. And there'd be, you know, some of the senior NCOs were, you know, calling this as cadence. I, I just thought it was something always there. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it's catchy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So how did you find this album? Did, did was it just, uh, you know, on release or did someone kind of turn you on to this album? Actually, my big brother did. My big brother, uh, he was, he was so we were like, what, three and a half, almost four years apart. So he was a senior in high school, uh, 98, and I was a freshman or an incoming freshman. His album dropped, if I'm not mistaken, like May, right after, right after, uh, just, yeah, we were out of school. I remember we were starting to train for football season for next year. So it had to be like May, May 19th. We picked it up on Super Tuesday. You know, that's when all the CDs were released back in the day. Uh, matter, of, matter of fact, my brother took me to the PX and got it. Um, got the CD. We both got a copy because he was going to keep one in, in his car and the other copy we kept in the house. And of course, you know, we had to go on base to get it tax free. Got a little bit of the PX. <laughs> <laughs> Take advantage. That's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, so it was him. Um, and, and really all like hip hop. Uh, my brother really was the first to kind of just open my, my eyes to a lot of it. He's the one that first showed me the first Outcast album and the naked woman on the uh, cover and every on the CD itself, which they kept that theme going for the first three or four albums. But um, yeah, I mean, it was always him. And uh, we remember we, we uh, he had a 92 Plymouth Sunday. We jumped in, we, after we bought it, I had to carefully open the CD. So we used to do this thing where if you would, uh, with the CD case, if you, you know, kind of okay, took it off the hinge, you could keep the uh, plastic seal together so that way if the album sucked you can take it back a <laughs> little thing we used to do <laughs> no I mean back then we were hustling <laughs> was funny. so you know 10 bucks man if the album sucks I, mean, I want my 10 dollars back I can go buy something else so, so I did that popped it in and about 8 months straight that album stayed in that CD player he never took it out Going to football practice, going to football games, you know, leaving leaving school, it was it was just it became a part of our life. 
for like better, really, I say eight months, but probably for a better half of the year. I can totally see this album as a, you know, pump up for, for a football game, football practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the album, you can keep it shown, but especially like Rough Riders Anthem. I mean, that song there, I mean, once it hit the airwaves, it was played, you know, football stadiums. It's still played at football stadiums. Uh, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. So you have that, that, that piece of it. And then you have the piece of it where, uh, you know, the commercial hits and stuff like that. And still, I mean, it's, to me, the album is really just one of the ones, one album that, that just kind of really stood the, ten, stood the test of time and is going to be around for a long time. Yeah. It has a, it has a great intro with, uh, it, it starts off slow with these like tubular bells. in a great buildup you don't really know what's coming but it's going to be something epic anywhere anytime you hear those types of bells there it's it's always a <laughs> whether it's now whether it's metallica or or dmx you know just there's something's coming yep. uh the intro track it, itself is great yeah uh, but then it does flow very well into rough riders amp yeah and it's crazy because you know people you know a lot of people skip the intro it's like oh is this someone talking you know typical intro and then all of a sudden you know like 30, 40 seconds in, it's like, oh, it's a song. Yeah. And it's only yeah. called intro. It doesn't really have a formal yeah, title. No title. Yeah, that's true. I'll tell you, I'm I'm uh thoroughly enjoying this album. I mean, it's it's just something like and then you get into like the the, the as you move on beyond and like Rough Riders Anthem, which Rough Riders Anthem too, I guess one of the reasons why that song was so, you know, major was it was actually one of the first production songs that um with beats. He was the uh, record producer, um, married to Alicia Keys. One of his first oh, songs, okay. he's, you know, he's working with, you know, Jay-Z and I think even Lady Gaga and a couple other like uh, pop artists as well. But I mean, he's, he's definitely one of the top uh, producers in the, in the, uh, in the industry. And this was, that was his first song. Um, we'll we'll have to get him on the show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think the first, the actual first release, single release from this album was Get At Me Dog. You know, I remember when that song kind of dropped and everyone was like, you know, you know, it, it dropped like, a, I think like in February or so, so a few months before the album came out and it was, you know, it created that buzz and everything. And then he released one more single and the next, you know, the album's out, or actually it released, he released three, three singles and then the album came out. And at that point in time, you know, everyone was just like, we want more, we want more, we want more. The guy really just came in and, and, and set the industry on fire, which is, you know, part of the reasons why I just love this album so much. And I love him as an artist as well. Yeah, I did a, a little bit of reading as far as the, the production of it in his, in his early years. Uh, I didn't know that he did street battles with uh, Jay-Z. Yeah. But, uh, oh. Imagine me in that crowd. Right. I'm telling you. Um, there's actually a, a, a old VHS uh, video you can find on YouTube probably of the, of a Jay-Z and DMX battle. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, they're standing on top of pool tables. You can, you can vaguely see them, but you can hear them. And, I mean, they went at it, and it was a really good, uh, really good rap battle. The crazy part, too, is Jay-Z, DMX, and Ja Rule originally were a, a rap supergroup, and they were called Murder, Inc., which, of course... Oh, is, they were uh, Murder, Inc. Exactly. Okay, I, I, did, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so the original Murder, Inc. And then, um, 
think the story was Jay Z and DMX kind of fell out um, over some rap. I bet I think actually over that that rap battle. They uh, and then later on DMX and Ja Rule started uh, having a rap beef, and it, it, and then Horace Ja Rule just took the whole murder ink thing for himself, and and obviously had a uh, a very successful career with it too. So, well, this stuff came out, and I could be completely wrong here, but to me, it, it changed the landscape at the time because right before this for lack of a better phrase, kind of glam rap. You, you had, you had Puff Daddy doing yeah. his thing. And then there's the, um, oh, uh, came out with several albums. They had crazy album covers. I can't think of it now, but, uh, oh damn, man, I can't think of the name. Uh, like tanks on the cover and it's green and there's, Oh, uh, oh no limit. No limit. Yeah. Yeah. The no limit. Master P. Master yeah. P. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That was, that was the rap when I was in the hip hop kind of culture, when I was ending high school, the 98. Yeah. So then this came out, say, well, I was gone and everything kind of was different when I came out into the music landscape. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a great, yeah, that's a great reference point. Yeah. Cause you're right. The, the, the no limit the, the South new Orleans and the little ways of the world. I think he was just kind of emerging with the hot voice and everything. And all that kind of just that, wave just kind of started happening there uh and the dmx kind of was that 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 artist from the north from the new york which obviously is the, the where hip-hop was created he brought that back because uh like you say there was that glam rap and, and really rap was in a tough situation anyways because there was recovering from you know 96 uh 97 you know the deaths of um, biggie and tupac so i mean it, it was really a, a, a big struggle and, and the thing about dmx that i kind of like too there wasn't this whole notion of East Coast versus West Coast. And it was just, you know, he just had his own story he wanted to tell. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I could definitely see some influences or comparisons to Tupac on, on a lot of these tracks. Yeah. I think really with the, especially with, with the, uh, the whole religious piece of it, you know, and, uh, and the crazy thing. So, you know, DMX, if I'm not mistaken, he was a, he's an ordained minister or he was, he, he was an ordained was minister uh, or a deacon either a minister or a deacon, one or the other. But uh, yeah, he was really, really into the church. And even like the, the, the track, he gets to the latter half of the album. And, you know, there's a, uh, he has obviously the, his, one, one of my favorite songs on the album, uh, his prayer skit. He, he does that actually on, I think his first four or five albums, or maybe every album, he includes that prayer skit. I come to you hungry and tired. You give me food, let me sleep. I come to you weak. You give me strength, and that's deep. But the, uh, the, the track, I think it is um, Convo. And that's a sh- strictly a, uh, you go back and look, look at the lyrics, there's no cursing in that song. And he's talking about, you know, you know his conversation with God and, and, you know, decisions and things that he's, you know, trying to sort through. And, and it's, it's a really profound track, too. And now you mean to tell me that after all this time, it was you that kept the dog from going out of his mind? It was you that breathed life into my lungs when I was born? And it was you that let me know what was right from what was wrong? And it was you that let me do what I knew could be done? And it was you that gave me a good wife and a beautiful son? Yeah, that's a, that was a beautiful track. Personally, I wish it would have ended on that. You Me too. Me too. Yeah, tra- yeah, track 19, the last one was kind of a letdown after that great story. Yeah. And the, the last track is kind of just a, you know, let everybody, let all my, my, my friends come in on and get some time on the album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I agree. Uh, it's funny you said because that was my same sentiment. You know, because obviously I gave the album a listen here, you know, uh, and I was like, gave it another listen. And I was like, damn, you really shouldn't just cut it after eighteen. And you know, and, and I, I tell you another one of my another song I enjoyed thoroughly too is the uh, I can feel it, the uh, Phil Collins uh, sample. Sometimes you just know. That blew me away because I had no idea that was there. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, that was, uh, I mean, that, that, that's a good track. As a classic rock fan, that, uh, I just, it, it was uh, well-placed and, and it was, it was a, definitely a good song. You know, it's, it, that's one of those songs, though, that I don't care you know, which what generation you're from and what culture you're from. You hear, you hear that song? I feel Collins, you, you just it gets you going, and especially football too. And being a, you know a sports guy in the sports period, and what better way to build up and then the, the, <laughs> the energy and emotion and tension, and then all of a sudden you just you drop the percussion in and you know drop the beat in and everything, and it's just oh. It's always great at a at a football game when you've got the entire crowd doing the air drums on that one Absolutely. that one section. It's it's I'll say yeah. synchronized, but not really. But it's still fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and we can go into say on the the concept album of the whole thing because that's on the on the backside. But uh, Damien, ah. probably my favorite track on the album, and that's the turning point of the whole of the whole album. Agreed. I, I can probably say I remember there was a time where I listened to that song like, like fifty times straight, so I can you know get the lyrics down and remember it. I mean, you know the 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 the, the concept of the song. You know, he's he's talking to uh, the devil uh, or his uh, guilty conscience, either or. You know, he's he's going back and forth on the decisions and everything, and he's doing all these things you know to get in his favor. But then once the devil asks him to do something that, you know, it's, it's just completely, you know, against what he wants to do. And he's now in this predicament of, you know, of, of what, he, what is he, you know, what is he to do with this uh, situation? I'm going to do it. Who is it this time? Hey, yo, man, that kid showing you to be making 89? Nah, that's my man. I thought I was your man. But yo, that's my nigga. Hey, who's your biggest fan? Even do it. Look at me your right hand. That's what you say. I see now ain't nothing but trouble ahead. Uh-huh. The beautiful thing about this song, too, is it, it continues. On his second album, there's a uh, second song called The Omen. I believe it's featuring Marilyn Manson. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, very dark. I'll have, to, I'll have to find that track, yeah. And it, and it continues off of, like, really, that, that, that uh, the Damien song. Because I think DMX sings both sides of that, Damien. Does he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does both sides on that, which is, is uh, I don't know if, if you know, Bob, but in just in, in hip-hop, whenever that happens, when you have the artist or really just songs where there's almost like two rappers having conversation. It works so well. Like Jay-Z and, and one of his other artists that on his label, Memphis Bleak, they used to do this, they did some, you know, his early albums, two or three tracks. It's impeccable. And, and some of the artists have done it in the past. And it just always makes for a great song when people do that. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. You, you mentioned Guilty Conscience. I mean, there's obviously parallels there with Eminem's Guilty Conscience. Absolutely. If not, a you know, uh, directly influenced. It's just they're very, very similar. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, but yeah, I do. I did like Damien with it's you know, just Faustian deal with the devil. And then right there at the very end of the track, he's like, you know, I just need you to take out this one guy for me, but I can't, that's my dog. Yeah. But Hey, what did I do for you? Yeah. I, I'm your greatest fan. I gave you fame and fortune and you're just going to leave me out. And it's, <laughs> it starts that, that, uh, uh, feeling of the, the central character is trapped. He's, yes. uh, and, and, uh, uh, I think there's a line earlier in the, in the album where I sold my soul to the devil and the price was cheap. And that's, that's harsh on, on anyone, you know, claiming your soul is cheap. That, I mean, it, there's uh, definitely a bit of poetry in, in this and a lot of self-reflection. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, nope, I agree 200%. Uh, and then for me too, the, um, I, I just, I think they, I think they even pick like the right, you know, right beat with it too, just to go with that song. I mean, it's it's not anything over the top. It's not too bassy. It's just it's nice, and it just it just flows so well with the song too. For me too, I guess the one thing I thoroughly enjoy about Damien is that it then leads into, you know, like this, this kind of change of pace, almost essentially like a love story and how's it going down. And um, you could you could call that a love story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, it's a little, with, uh, little, little, little bit of with an interesting yeah. intro. That's a little, oh, yeah, the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know nobody oh. in Yonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard some shit about you, some foul shit. Fuck is the deal? Suck my fucking dick, you bitch ass nigga. No, you explain it to me, bitch. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know nobody up here. You don't fuck with nobody up here, and I ain't been fucking with nobody. You lie, you lie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And this has got Uh, the really heavy, the really heavy New York accent too. It makes me more comfortable. It's uh, it's Faith Evans. Yeah. So part is yeah. So it's Faith Faith Evans um video version, but I think on the album version. Actually, it was another uh, another person that sung it. Was it on the original? On the original, um, and then Faith came in, and once they did a video, she then stepped up. Uh, which to me, the, I like the Faith Evans version better. Anyway. Her voice uh, I just I just know the one album that I downloaded. I'm not. I assume it's Faith Evans. I'm not sure. Yeah, but it's no, it it's funny. Not funny. It's it's interesting though because you say it's a love story because it is. A, it's a story of DMX, you know, having an affair with a, a taken woman who has yep. someone already and a kid. But he eventually walks away. Exactly, which really shows you like how this guy is really—he really is a good dude. I mean, it's somewhat. Let me say that. No matter how you know much of a thug he is, how hard he is, you know, there's even a point in time in the song where the, the, the baby father. Ran up on this guy he thought was me. He the line. He's ran up on this guy. This guy he thought was me. He started flexing. He said he's not. He said he's not. Even, he's not even with it. He's gonna leave him sleep. Essentially, he's gonna kill him. But then he's like, you know what? I'm not gonna do it because that's your kid's daddy. But you better uh, tell him like, take care. You know, he needs to relax and fall back, or else I have to take care of business. Yeah, it's it starts the because uh, the first I mean we've mentioned it, but the first half of the album is just you know the life on the streets. Got to do what you can to survive obviously life of crime in there. Uh, but then the, after Damien, the, the endings of those stories all have different endings per song. As far as, uh, we get into to crime story, you know, a wild story about a criminal who's on the run, yep. but then he turns himself in at the end of the song. So that's, it's like two songs in a row where 
the right decision is made at the end. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, crime story. That's that's a good one too. Because I mean, like you said, that's that's that second back half of the album where he really is is, is storytelling almost on every single track, and you're getting a different story and and like you said, with different results and results that you know, you know, considering the the the, you know, the crux of the, of the song and what's going on, you're like, there's no way this guy's gonna turn himself in, and then uh, you know, he, he pulls Okie Doke on it and, and does that. Knock at the door. Police, we're looking for a man who killed a couple of cops last night. The reward is 10 grand. I play like a bitch. It's just me here, and I'm not dressed. And that guy sounds kind of dangerous. I hope you make an arrest. That was a close one. Now I know what got Because on the flip side, there's also ATF, which is a similar song of a, a man on the run. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this more enjoyable song compared to the two to me, uh, but yeah. then with a much darker ending. <laughs> the, did not turn himself in. Right. Yeah, not at all. Uh, yeah, ATF. He was. Uh, it was. It was like Tony Montana. <laughs> in, uh, Star- yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's going out with a bang. Yeah, uh, but a great song though. You drive. What the fuck you doing? Niggas trying to stay alive. Yeah. Cops in every corner. I lean back and try to cruise by. Who the fuck did a snitch? Must have been a new guy. Damn, they back on our ass. Put your foot back on the gas. Stepping fast, trying to pull up. You know, for me, this uh, the the lyrics on this one, and the, again, the storytelling ability that DMX had, which is. Something he didn't do as much as he got uh, later on to his career. Uh, you know, with that, as, as you started seeing fewer of these songs on his albums as, as he progressed. But still great, great albums and great music, um, but you, you just got a lot less of the uh, storytelling as he, he progressed through his career. Uh, we talked about the Phil Collins cover. I could feel it, uh, and then that leads into Prayer, yeah, uh, which is exactly what the title says. I mean, it's a solemn prayer to God trying to explain himself, but he also questions God's plan. He's, he's a, you know, confused individual. Why, why are you allowing these things to, to happen? And yeah. it's, it's uh it's very moving. Uh, and it leads very well into the conversation where, you know, God answers him back. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I like the realization that he has through the conversation. Um, you know, it was you that kept the dog from going out of his mind it was you that gave me a, a good wife and a beautiful son. You know, there's, he has, has those realizations that he may not have made all the right decisions, but he still, still made some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's really just a story of just life period. You know, you look at it from your own personal life, it's the same thing. You know, there's been opportunities where you probably could have made a better decision and, and you didn't. And, and, but, you know, that's what life is. It's a collection of decisions, both good, bad, and indifferent. And then hopefully at the end of the day, you had more good work, good decisions than bad decisions. So, uh, and I think the other piece of it, this prayer, is just, that's so compelling to me, is this album, it's just, you know, there's violence, there's murder, there's drugs, there's sex, all these different things going infidelity, and premarital sex, there's all these different sins and everything. But, you know, he, he brings it all back to, a, you know, praying to God and just ask for, ask for uh, forgiveness and really just for grace. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really compelling. I'm glad he got the chance to tell that story. I mean, he obviously had a rough early life and, uh, yeah. but, but he had those opportunities to, to capitalize on his talent and, and say uh, the music world is, is luckier for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the guy gave us what five straight number one albums from the billboard hot 100 or hot, excuse me, hot 200. Uh, I know he put out three in a two-year period of 98, 99. Yeah. Three, three straight yeah, albums. It was, uh, it was either, I think it was either five or 
four. His first four albums or first five albums all were number one. And at the time, it was a record. I'm sure it's probably been, been you know. With, with that level of, of uh, output, I mean, he must have had just all kinds of stuff in his head that, you know, wanted to get on paper. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and I think also, you know, the, the struggles and the legal challenges and all that different, all those different things. I know as he, you know, progressed later on his career, those those nuggets start to show up in his albums. I'd say though, um, one song we kind of skipped over, which is my favorite song on the album, Stop Being Greedy. I've been eating long enough now, stop being greedy. Let's keep it real, partner. Give to the needy. Ribs is touching, so don't make me wait. Fuck around and I'm gonna bite you. Snatch the plate. I can flip that flow. I can stick that home. Which is it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, again, it's, it's that, you know, almost like he's talking, it's, it's two different sides um, of, the, of the song. You have the light side with that, where that character is just kind of, you know, cool with just being himself. But then, you know, you have that darker side that if you push him too far, push that light side too far, you know, that, that, that darker side is going to, you know, get things done by any means necessary. I mean, that storytelling and then with that, that beat, uh, I think the the they, they sampled actually a Diana Ross song that from a I think a oh movie. really yeah but to me it really plays into like my my childhood nostalgia it sounds like um, the theme music from Castlevania on Nintendo <laughs> <laughs> you know you got the, you know Dracula and everything so it really has that dark sound and y'all been y'all been eating long enough now stop being greedy just keep a real partner give to the needy my ribs are touching ribs are touching so don't make me wait. Around him, I'm gonna invite you and snatch the snatch the plate. Like he's he's you know he's like you know you know you need to give me some money if not you know because because I'm hungry obviously you see my ribs touching if you don't give me this money or give it give me what you uh, what you got I'm gonna take it and I'm ready to hurt you so it's it's uh just like when I heard that that's how the song starts with that chorus and he goes into the flow I'm like ah oh, just love it. Yeah, my, my note on that song is a, it's a good track on the duality of life, his life yeah. in particular. And it's, it sits in between those two crime stories. Yeah, it does. The, the one where he gives himself up and the one that has the darker ending. So it's, it's well-placed yeah, in the whole story arc. Yeah, I, I, I think that track 19 is the only song on this whole album that's out of play. I can agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it would have fit well in the first half. They could have yeah, put it in I anywhere. So. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, my, my only note for track nine was group track, not much to say. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, huh. it is featuring Mace, who apparently had a, a, a big hand in, in getting this album made, I read. Yes, yes, he did. He did, actually. Um, so shout out to Mace for, for doing that. Um, Another hip-hop artist who you know went preacher route, too. Yeah, he did. He did. Actually, he was here in Atlanta. He was here in Atlanta, uh, pastor for church in uh, Gwinnett County. Your old stomping grounds. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, pastoring up until probably the early 2020s, I think. And then he uh, uh, decided, you know, he needed to, uh, to transition from that life. And he actually went back into the studio and recorded the album. Uh, he had a song, I remember, it was Welcome Back, and it wasn't that great. but uh, I remember yeah. that song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him being on stage at a at a uh, an awards ceremony or something, and he was just standing in the background yelling "Welcome back, welcome back," and it was very awkward. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that would be him. And I think you know too, you know, they DMX kind of had to put the locks on this album. Um, 
And of course, the locks is the um, end up being actually end up signing to his record label, Rough Riders Records. And one of the artists from the locks, uh, Sheik Lou, she's featured on Gabby Dog. And the very first song, I believe, DMX, uh, or, or let me say this, the most popular song DMX was featured on before his album came out was a, a song by the locks. It was called Money, Power, Respect. It was um, the locks featuring Little Kim and DMX. And you know, when, when people, you know, especially huge fans of rap, know like the locks has probably one of the best lyricists of all time, which is Jada Kiss. Um, and there was a, a versus battle earlier this year, and Jada Kiss kind of reminded and really showed like the, the generation doesn't really know his music, like how talented he is as, a, as, a, as an MC. I mean, this guy is extremely gifted. But I say all that to say, you're talking about a Jada Kiss on track and Lil Kim, and DMX was a guy that left you like uh, when that when that track ended, you were like. And you're like, yo, who's this kid? Like, who's this guy? And it just really shows you how how gifted he was as a as a lyricist and as a uh, as a MC. Yeah. Now the Rough Riders was I, I don't know if it was like his personal friends or or if it was actually musicians or. So yeah, so it's musicians, um, but also it's a uh, biker club. Okay. Yeah. So uh, and um, on the Rough Riders anthem video you can find on YouTube, you'll see a you know the, obviously the Rough Riders logo. Uh, you'll still see, still see it today. Uh, if you go in like certain cities, yeah, they're uh, they're a biker club, like uh, typically uh, Japanese style, like uh, Suzuki, mm-hmm. Pazos, those type of style bikes. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, bike club, and it actually became very popular. There was, you know, they had the Rough Riders you know, clothing line. I mean, it had turned into a whole like whole deal. So uh, it's dark and hell is hot. Made your top spot of your very closely knit, you know fight for the top spot. Uh, what, what other albums uh, made your short list? All right. So again, it was very tough, but um, Outcast, Criminal. So it would be their third album. And if it features the title track, actually, Criminal is quite possibly one of the best lyrical rap songs ever. I mean, just everyone in, the, in the, that are huge fans of rap, you know, they're, they're always big fans of Binder 3000. I mean, the guy's, he's gifted, extremely gifted. He, he, is, he is essentially like the Lauryn Hill, what, what Lauryn Hill was with her first album and how incredible that was, like, he is that to rap. But he just doesn't give you enough. Um, and what he did deliver on that song and him and Big Boy, I mean, it was just, it was magical. Well, that was so, going to be my question because uh, I'm not familiar with the song. Is it is it more of an Andre song or more of a Big Boy song? Because because the Outcast that I've listened to is more more later Outcast. Now I don't really know much yeah. of their early stuff. Where the later yeah. albums, no, it, was, one, it was either going to be a one song or the other kind of thing. No, this was them together. Um, they they, they okay. tag team back and forth. I think there four verses on the maybe four or or five verses on the album. But the last verse when Andre just comes in, he just like. Uh, Actually, the last two verses from, from both the last verse from, from each artist, uh, it's just it's incredible. Um, I would highly recommend Quib and I, Outcast, listen to that. Listen to that. Just you can just listen to that one track, uh, but really the whole album is, is well put together. Um, another one, Hybrid Theory, Lincoln Park. This this is an incredible album. Uh, I know you being a uh, Illinois guy, Chicago guy, this one probably uh, you know tugs at your heart a little bit. I mean, indeed, indeed. Uh, I mean, this, they were just so great. And, you know, uh, you know Chester's vocals, with, you know, Mike Shinonis, uh, you know, this bars and keyboarding and, and then Brad and Rob and Dave on the, 
uh, you know, with, with other professions and strings and Johan on the ones and twos. I mean, it was something we had never heard before. We had never heard anything like that before. Uh, you know, this this real, like, real, real deep dive into the rap rock, you know, genre. There is a great track on that album called Cure for the Itch. Yeah. It, it, I, I mean, it's still in my, my like top playlist. It's just always mm-hmm. there. Uh, it, it's, it's instrumental. Uh, other than like the beginning, it says, you know, allow me to introduce Mr. Han. And then it's all just scratching and instrumental over the band. I, I love that track. That one and uh, Points of Authority for me are my two. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think of the uh, collision course where they the they did with, with Jay Z. Uh, oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I that's a this. great. I, I want. I wanted more of that. Yeah, you know, it's um, Jay Z gave us a couple of great albums like that. I know one of them wasn't authorized. It was the uh, the Gray album. I think it was the Gray album, which was um, it was the Beatles White Beatles. album. Yeah, and Jay Z's the Black album, and they 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 took the album. It was probably one of the most amazingly composed like albums ever. I didn't include that on here, but that that, that, probably, that one probably could have made a short list too. But I, I really went back and forth on Lincoln Park um, and, and uh, Hybrid Theory and, and DMX quite a bit. I almost sent you an email like, hey, let's switch it to Lincoln Park. It, it came down and it got back. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't fault you for it. Yeah, Hybrid uh, Theory is a, a great album and uh, you know that's one I can just reach onto the shelf and grab the CD. Uh, but the that that came out um you know also when i was in the army and that was uh uh real big in the barracks that in, that entire album yeah. it was played everywhere and I, I love the diversity of the group too you know you had you know there's a white guy there's an asian guy or well, a couple of asian guys and that's true you know yeah a little bit of everyone everything in there uh, and it just came together made some great music and i'm excited to hear that they're supposed to be uh you know doing some stuff here uh here this year uh, totally hurts when you meet That was, yeah, it hurt when I heard about Chester. You know, that Absolutely. was a, that was a big loss. Uh, I say along with say DMX, who lost a lot of young artists. Uh, yeah. Well, I say young, not not twenties, but definitely uh-huh. well before their time. Exactly, I agree. Well before the time. I mean, and, and especially to you know, like how they succumb. I think is the worst part. You know. Yeah. You never know what people are dealing with. DMX, Chester, um, Chris Cornell. Uh, yeah. there's, there's, there's plenty others. It's just, it's a shame. Yeah, 2020 and 2021 were some rough years. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then I had one last one, and this was a more recent album. Uh, I say more recent. It came out seven years ago by uh, J. Cole. It's what, 2014, Forest Hills Drive. Uh, and this was his, I believe, third album. I am not familiar at all. Uh, the thing about this one is it's so masterful and amazing. 13 tracks. You don't skip a single track. And there's no features. This is just Jay Cole, Beats, and he produced some of every single, most of the songs on the album he produced. I think maybe 10 out of 13 songs he produced in, uh, himself. And, I mean, this, this album was so great. He did a tour and sold out every every city that he did on his tour for this album. And he was filling up 
like Madison Square Garden and places like that. And again, this is an album with no features, just it's just him, and very compelling. I mean, there's a reason. It's, it's when people talk about who are the best rappers around right now. You hear the names Kendrick Lamar. You hear, of course, people say Drake. I think Drake is a great artist. I don't necessarily think he's a great rapper. That he can make successful songs, songs ability to rap and all those different components of it. Uh, I don't think he's as talented as others. But then you have, and then Jermaine, uh, J. Cole. Like J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar to me are that Mount Rushmore right now in the rap industry. Of course, we've got Jay Z, Jay Z, and the Eminem's of the world that are still there too. And uh, yeah, the music nowadays is is one of the reasons I even started this. You know, it's going to help me discover some some old stuff that I missed. I'm not going to say that I don't like music today. Uh, I it just much of it doesn't feel the same for me. Yeah, the the rock level. Uh, you've got Foo Fighters, and then I don't know, find find someone at their level, and then on the, on the hip hop rap side, uh, I, I can name the people you said, yep. but I, I can't tell you their songs. Yeah, uh, I don't really listen to the top forty anymore. I'm I'm more leaning back towards the the nineties on nine and uh, and others, mm-hmm. and um, love it. Uh, but already in this uh, particular project, I have discovered several albums that I have not listened to all the way through until now or not at all. I mean, the DMX, I hadn't listened to at all. So it's, it's been a wonderful experience of just my, my playlist has completely changed of what I'm listening to now. And it's serving its purpose uh, from a selfish point of view. Well, hopefully listeners out there are getting something good from it also, but it's yeah. definitely, definitely serving the purpose that I created it for. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I mean when you when you this when you proposed this idea, and I was like, dude, this is this is gonna be amazing. And like you said, to be able to kind of just diversify like what you listen to, just really gives you different experience, and and also too, you 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 get to you know see these different things like the, the Phil Collins track. You're like, wow, you're like who would have thought that you know that would have been something that would have you know you know you know come to fruition, and it's pretty darn good too in, in that matter. It's amazing how a, a soft rock track from, you know, eighties or nineties, I'm not sure what, when that track came out has, has found its way into so many different genres. Whereas I've seen, I've seen Garth Brooks cover it. (laughs) It's pretty much a cover. So it's that one song. It's amazing how far reach it's got. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, 1981 is when that song came out. Wow. Wow. You'd be, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's probably a rapper, there's probably some rapper right now that's trying to find it, you know, use it as a sample to put a name, a song right now, or you know, someone in the industry. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think they say the music industry right now is very, it's really an dangerous spot. You know, when you look at, you know, the different, across the different genres, they really, it seems like pop is really just what's important to music. Let's just make pop. And it all sounds the same. I, I think that's a also a, a result of the, track by track basis that songs are available now it's you know make one good song get it out there on on soundcloud or wherever or on youtube and then you you get known you get you get that one good song and then you don't really have to have other ones (laughs) whereas dmx put out a full album of amazing content yeah i agree no and and like we said earlier he put out three albums in a two-year time span of all went to number one plus plus more after that. That was all in his head, rather than just trying to get one good song out of a session. Yeah, I mean these new artists—they they depend on too many other artists, you know, to 
make a good song. You don't see where they can just do a track by themselves and make it a, a good song. They have to have someone else on there to help, uh, you know, carry the song. So I think you see a lot of that that happens. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. I'm, I'm hopeful though, because good art comes out of, you know, tough times. Yeah. And, and over the past two years have been tough times, you know, nationwide. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that there's going to be some, some shifts overall in the entire music industry, as far as, you know, almost equivalent to the early nineties, you know, cause that saw a gigantic change in, in hip hop, a gigantic change in rock with the, you know, got into grunge. I mean, the, the early nineties were a wonderful time to be a kid discovering new music. And I think that the, the latter half of the, the 2020s is going to be a, a, a great time for music. I'm hopeful. Speak it to existence, brother. Speak it into existence. <laughs> Don, is there anything you want to tell our listeners about uh, what you're working on or where they can find you or anything you want to want to pitch? Yeah, absolutely. Find me, uh, I guess I'll get my Instagram. Um, find my Instagram at Polo D Dom, D-O-M. And I, I actually do, uh, a few buddies of mine, we also do a podcast as well called The Real Black Fathers of Atlanta. Obviously, we're all fathers and obviously we're all black. <laughs> Um, and we just talk about parenting, you know, from, the, from our perspective, current events, everything. It's been a while since we shot, but uh, season two is coming. We will be uh, doing some things here for the year end, so stay tuned. Um, and and um, we also have an um, Instagram handle as well, and a Facebook uh, group uh, at the Real Black Fathers of Atlanta. We will put those in the show notes and, and send some tags out. Perfect. Perfect. Again, Steve, thanks so much for having me, man. I'll tell you, it's uh, it's certainly a, it's been an honor and a, and a pleasure to have this conversation with you and uh, dive into this. Uh, thank you. This was uh, definitely a pleasure. Pleasure to sit down with you and talk about DMX's It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Uh, recommend for anyone out there to, to grab that album, give it a full listen, give it your full attention. D- definitely worth it. All right. Uh, Thanks, Tom. We'll bring you back on again for, uh, you, you can talk that outcast out. Hey, I'd love to. Season two. Thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.